Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Amen. Well, Glory Church, you guys can have a seat. Those who are maybe coming in, uh, come on in, find a spot. Get in close to people. Uh, it is so good to have you. My name is Greg McKinney, and uh, maybe those who, who have never been here or those who are stepping in for the uh, first time in a while, it is so good to have you. Yesterday, this place did not look like this. And maybe your first interaction was gl- with Glory Church was actually at our impact today. But I just want to give a shout out where shout out is due. Uh, we were able to put on a beautiful event where we not only fed hundreds of people, we not only were able to gift hundreds of people with, with, uh, with resources, glasses, new glasses, we, just being able to see people's faces as they walked away being like, I didn't know I couldn't see very well. And now they're like, this, it's clear. Like this is, to be able to see that happen, to be able to give haircuts, to be able to give resources, food, uh, not just for their bellies that moment, but for their, their pantries at home uh, or their backpacks as they go. And, and it was beautiful. But all of it was honestly able to be done partly by, yes, our church. But there was a church in Lenexa that fronted the bill of all of it. Like, I need you to hear... Uh, you think you're alone in the inner city. There are people who care about you, who you will never meet because they're just like flooding the, our church with, with resources so that we can be the hands and feet. And so it was amazing to be able to be with them, uh, to serve alongside of you guys. Uh, I, I, it was awesome. I was able to have a lot of experiences and a lot of stories, keep them coming if the Lord worked in a great way. Uh, We were able to give like 27, 29, something like that, uh, oil changes. Like, I don't know what you guys are doing out there, but those who are serving in the oil, I want to hear the stories. All right, so bring the stories to us. We want to hear about it. But this morning, uh, we're actually in a sermon series over the book of Ephesians. And if you are stepping in for the first time, uh, we're in the last chapter. So it might sound like, oh, I missed it. It's okay. Uh, All of our sermons are on our Facebook page. You can look in. Uh, The majority of them are on our our website. I have not put last week's on the podcast yet, but it will be there, okay? So if you're looking for it and you're like, what was this? Uh, It it will be there, all right? Uh, Tomorrow I'll knock it out and it'll be there. But chapter six, I would encourage you, go ahead and open up, get it ready. Ephesians chapter six, if you know nothing about the text, uh, this is Paul, uh, the writer of it. He is writing to the church at Ephesus while actually he's in jail. He's writing to it. Uh, he's writing to the church saying, I, we, I love you. I've heard these things about you. Uh, he went through this whole text and now we're ending it. And it's, it's sort of a continuation of where we were last week. I just will let you know, uh, he starts off with this beautiful uh, conversation in chapter five, like, I want you to imitate God. And then he says, I need you to be filled with the spirit, these fun things. And then he looks to the marriages. And last week we talked a lot about marriage and he's like, I need you to imitate the Lord. And then chapter six starts and it's a call to the family, the home. 
And so today, I don't know what your home looks like, um, but I am excited to dive into this and honestly to look at it in a little different way. Uh, you see, the vision of Glory Church is that I see, I believe, the Lord has called us, all right? This might not be every church, but this is our church. Um, our vision is that we see a city changed by homes being changed. In fact, I care way less about a Sunday morning experience if it is not impacting the Monday through Saturday life, right? Right, like there's no reason for you to come here if it's just gonna have one part of your brain and then nothing changed on the way out. No, like we see a whole city, I mean, racism will change as the home changes, right? Uh, we, we see uh, poverty will change as the home changes. Uh, uh, marriages will be redeemed as the home is redeemed. And so we see a lot of brokenness in our society, but let's attack it in the small ways like Jesus did, where he says, let's bring salvation to a home and let's let the kingdom of God radically shake that place. And then children are different. And then whoever's eating in that home is different. And so this is the focus. He, he's taking marriages, now he's calling homes. And I'll read the whole text, nine verses, all right? And then we're gonna dive into it, and, and I'm, I'm excited. So bear with me, sit with me in this. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, verse one. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment that's given with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it continues, verse five, bond servants, or maybe your translation says servants or slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a servant or is free. And masters, do the same and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. So as I read that, that was a hard text to send on, right? But I'm really like trying to, okay, God, we said we'd read through the book of Ephesians. And so I got to take it section by section and hear from what you're saying. So one thing that I need to do at the very beginning, which probably caught many of your ears off, is to tackle this last little section. We'll give you an understanding and then we're going to start at the beginning, okay? So you heard, we read bond servants, and we're like, what is that even meaning? What is going on in this text? So just let you know uh, when everything in the New Testament, when it talks about servants and slaves and, and bond servants, that we cannot put upon it the culture of slavery that we have fought to find freedom in, okay? It is very different. This is not a racial slavery. This is not a, 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 um, a, a negative, it is not a, a downgrading of the value of another, what was going on in this text uh, is actually Rome would fight and, and conquer civilizations and people would say, take me, take me. And so uh, like it was prisoners of war would come in and be able to live in Rome, in Roman cities. And I know that still sounds interesting, 
But the way to do it, and think of it in Rome, not in the gospel, all right? I'm not, I'm not saying the kingdom of God would do this, but think of it in a Rome situation. They would bring in people who are of a different culture into a home where you could learn the culture, the language, uh, learn your ability, and by 10 years, you are set to be able to become a Roman citizen with your ability to uh, buy your own land and everything, so people would be free. And this was the context of what was going on. And so to let you sort of sit with me in this, uh, Paul is not saying that's right. In fact, he will attack it in many, many gospels, like bring freedom to people. But what he does know is I, I'm not here to change right now the culture of Rome in this way. I'm here to change the culture of the home. And, and this is the reason, are you ready? All of us, there was, Paul knew the context, there was 250,000 people in Ephesus, are you ready? Guess how many people were bond servants in Ephesus? 400,000. Can you imagine, like one in, that's insane. That's terrible. But number two, Paul knows if we try to fight a revolution right now, that's 400,000 people who are going to lose their ability to eat, to be taken care of, uh, to, to be trained, to like they're learning tasks and jobs, they're getting finances. And so he's like, we gotta attack this in a different way. So what I'm gonna do, is start it small here. And this soon the revelation would, re, the revolution would come. Um, but this is what is going on. And so Paul's like, I'm gonna take this call of Christ, bring it into a home, radically change the way a, an owner or what would become soon a boss would treat their employees. And that's what it would be. I'm gonna radically change the way this is so that from the inside out, People are, are given dignity, are known how to, how to treat their, their master in heaven, their boss in heaven, and know how the, the boss in heaven treats them here. And so it's a, it's a deep text, very difficult, but we cannot let those, what, four verses stop us from seeking the Lord's heart, all right? Because it's not the, the, the pain, the ache. This is the beauty. He's not trying to change Rome. He sought to change a home. So what he did last week when he spoke to the, the husbands and wives, and now he's speaking to the kids. So let's dive into this, okay? I just gave you that little, ooh, I'm about to knock a, a, that was almost bad. Now we're getting into children, all right? So let's go right back into verse one. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it's interesting, this word obey is a very similar word to the word submit we talked about last week, uh, which gets this, this nice little, uh, you know, your guard goes up when you hear the word submit, some of us. And now he's taking an even ex a stronger expression of that word, and it's obey. In fact, to, to give you a little, little play on the, the words, submission is the word Hupatasso, and I'm not even gonna to try to say that correctly, the Greek word, and that means like, it's to designate yourself under the power or the hand of another. And so where Paul says, I need you to submit to one another. Why? Because you are believers. Submit, put yourself under, designate yourself under the authority. And I told you last week, that is not me saying I'm, I'm taking away my value as I put myself under you, but instead it's saying the Lord is so valuable. Like he has called me so, uh, so high and mighty in his name that I, it does not matter if I put myself under a brother to lift them up. In fact, if they mistreat me, they have to deal with him, 
right? Like they have him to deal with. And so submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. It's out of the fear of the Lord that I will say, what do you need? Let me be there for you. Jesus served the least. He served the isolated. Why? Because he knew from a heart of a servant, I can lift a lot stronger than I can from a, the, the hands of a king, right? I will come as a servant. And it's beautiful. But the word obedience takes that and actually shifts it. It's, it's that word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it for you. Uh, you can in your own time. But it means under the power, designating yourself under the power of, mixed with this word to listen or to understand, which if you... We're going to put this together. It means that you must, in order to obey, you must put yourself not under the person, but under the command, the words, the understanding that that person is trying to bring you, which means obedience is literally worthless if you don't understand the reason you're obeying. Like obedience is worthless without understanding. But the very reason you seek to understand the Father, and this is what is different. Uh, we see the ways of the world that they force obedience with little ways of understanding. But we see our Father in heaven who constantly says, this is the way, this is the why, this is the reason. I mean, my wife just got, uh, this is how, how nerdy we are. Um, my wife, we got a, uh, a book in the mail, and I didn't know about it. And she's like, oh, that's my new devotional. I, we open it up and guess what book she is deciding to go through in her free time, Leviticus. <laughs> like if you know anything about that text, it's just a whole lot of, rules. But the beauty of it is it's actually diving in and saying, these are not just things to obey, but the father God, he knew what he was doing when he said, don't eat this bug. Cause he knew it's, it's a, it's, he calls it a sin to eat that bug, but he knew that bug's actually going to give you some terrible indigestion that will kill half of my people. So don't eat that bug. Like there's always reasons this, this obedience is etched in an understanding. It's, it's really cool. Obedience does not just mean that I am doing what he says, but I am actively, and this is important, I'm actively listening to what he is saying and trying to understand it. I'm hearing and I'm listening. It's not blind obedience, but informed obedience. You see, it's not a blind obedience, but the Father God says, I'm not only going to tell you what to do, but as you get to know my character, you see the why. Because my love is worth sharing. My, my hope is worth handing over. My peace is worth granting to someone. As you get to know me, you don't just understand the what, but you get the why. You, get, you understand it. I obey because I hear him. I know him. And now it's like, all right, I know what you're asking of me. But in each instance, it's interesting, whether it is a child with their parent, he says, obey, or he even says to the servants, obey your earthly master. Both of this is interesting. An employee with our boss, when we are to obey, obedience like this is necessary for growth. It really is. You cannot grow if you struggle to obey. You cannot, you cannot produce in your life Obedience flows from true understanding, but it is needed if we're going to grow. If you're taking notes, I wrote this down uh, in my notes that I've come to realize that a lot of our adult life is all about relearning true obedience. It really is. Because 
I don't know about you, but I really struggled with verse one as a kid. Anyone else in the room? Like, can we just be honest? Like children, obey your parents. I will obey them, what? If it makes sense to me. Anyone else? I will obey them if it's in my favor. Like I will obey them, and I see this in my daughter. She thinks just like me. If the rules make sense, I will obey it. If my rules are better than that one, then I'll obey my rules. I'll still obey rules, but my rules are better than your rules. And, this, and I, I did not realize that this was the mode of thinking that I had as a child until like the 17th time, no, not even then, that I was spanked, right? I, I kept doing my ways because I was coming up with this in our adult life. The more and more that I counsel people, our adult life is all about relearning how to be obedient. Because it's not the ways that we... Um, we forced ourselves into. It's not the patterns that we had in childhood. It's not the ways that even we saw our parents force obedience. The father, the father asks for obedience in a very different way. And, and now as adults, Christ, he's bringing us to this place of constantly relearning, why do I do the right thing? Got to learn obedience. Why do I have to love my neighbor who just stole this from me? Why do I have to treat someone when they've treated me like, insert the, the, the terrible word, when they've treated me like that, why do I have to treat them like they value, like they have value, they have worth? Why? And to obey that does not bring, it doesn't make sense. It, we have a little understanding. We gotta relearn all the time obedience. It's interesting to actually hear the Father in heaven speaking, to know his character, and to do it. This is something I want to sit with a little bit. I was struggling yesterday as I was approaching this sermon. I really was struggling, and I was like, God, I don't know what's going on, like why I'm feeling so, uh, like having a difficult time coming up with this. Like I already had it written, but then I was like, this is trash. Anyone ever feel that way when you do something? You make something for a project for your work, and you're like, this is trash. So I went to bed last night and I had this dream and I think God woke me up from this dream in the middle of it so that I could remember it because I'm actually bringing it to you today. So this is the dream. Uh, we're gonna sit on this concept of relearning a little bit. The dream, I was in a classroom and I was sitting in the back of a classroom and I think we were talking about spiritual things. I don't know, there was a teacher in the front, I was in the back, and I was just observing the class, like watching as there was a know-it-all over here, you know, like watching as this person just kept answering, watching as this person was, was questioning everything, and there were these two guys over here that were questioning everything and trying to come up with the whys as to like almost playing the devil's advocate together. And you know the person, when there's just one person playing a devil's advocate, you're like, we can handle it. But when there's two people, you're like, they're just feeding off of each other. Anyone feel that way? Yeah. No, it's okay. Um, but then I was a little annoyed. I just remember feeling like, oh, he knows it all. And then these two are just battling. And then one of them turns around and says, Greg, what do you think? I had no idea what the to topic was. Like, I remember like, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I didn't know any of the people in the room. And I, I was out of nowhere, my mouth, not, not, I'm not even joking, my mouth spoke something similar to this. The father is not done teaching you. And I was like, <laughs> and I didn't mean, hear me, I didn't mean the, the quick like, uh, the quick God has all things he wants to teach all of us, right? 
I get that. No, the father specifically has a lot that he wants to teach you. And then I had to write this down because it's in the middle of the night. Uh, this is a you aren't supposed to have it all figured out kind of thing. These two thought that they had to have it all figured out. And, and so they were playing the devil's advocate against everything. They had to have it figured out. And I, I spoke to them and I worded it this way. God has placed you here and your growth is dependent on him fathering you. And then I was like, it's dependent on this guy fathering you. And I don't know why, but I pointed to the guy who is the know-it-all. And they like looked at him and then I looked and I remember very, I said, you have sins that you have never talked to anyone about, let alone sought someone to walk with you through it. He's gonna walk with you through it. And they looked at him and he looked at them and that woke up. And I'm not even joking, I feel in this place, you will constantly in your life play the devil's advocate with truth until you realize that you are put in this place for a reason and there is a father or a mother a, a mentor, a disciple, or over here who was put here to walk with you out of your sin. He, for real. And let the father father. When I read this, like, children, obey your parents in the Lord. I feel like the father is saying, my children, obey me and your spiritual parents around you, which means you're going to need to relearn how to be obedient. Some of you have sins you've never dealt with. You just closet them. And it's because honestly, no one has spoken to you that they are willing, they are ready to walk with you through it. I could think of like 10, a handful, a beautiful handful of wonderfully qualified men and women who would long to walk with you out of a fear, out of a heartache, out of a worry, out of a sin struggle, but we have to relearn our obedience. And I think many of us need to take some time and actually, actually ask like, Father, you're not done teaching me. I got, I got to learn still. My father has placed me here and I still need to relearn what it looks like to be a child. I still need to relearn what it looks like to say yes, what it looks like to say, okay, even if I don't understand, but teach me, God. Like, I, I need to understand. That's what I love. Um, I, I would call some out, but see, some of you think that the older you get, the wiser you are. Um, but one of my favorite people in this room are actually some of our older people who, and I'll look at you too, who constantly say, more than I am an older person, I am a daughter and I need my dad to teach me today. Some of you think I am ready to stop being a daughter or a son. I'm ready to be a wife or I'm ready to be a husband or I'm ready to be a boss. And the father's like, let me father you. Be a learner of me. And so I, what I love is, is no one in this place is above needing a spiritual father in a moment. No one in this place is above needing that mentor to say, hey, let's walk you with you out of this. But we gotta realize that that's something the Lord is saying. Uh, he's speaking over us. I wrote this down, mature obedience is fostered and developed only as understanding is deepened. And some of you, you know the Bible, but you don't understand the why. And you keep this like distance with the word of God. But let's actually say, I don't understand. 
and then let's start there as we seek understanding. Like, let's stop just having this relationship with church where we go, we hear, we get what we get, and we, uh, we, we just head on out and actually say, no, like, I want to understand that. I want to get, like, what you're saying to me, Father. Like, I need you. You see, mature obedience is only fostered when we get this understanding. But as a dad, I'm convicted. Uh, this is a little... little dad piece uh how many of you have used mothers fathers that well-known like phrase like because i said so anyone anyone struggle to use that like that's just the the quick because i said so it's really interesting because uh in the most basic of ways now we could you could play the devil's advocate with me on this in the most basic of ways yes my five-year-old should stop talking back with me because i said to stop right and I am dad, and they should do it because I said so. In this, I, this, this deep sense of, I'm dad, your son, stop. But when we say, because I said so, as parents, what does it do? It quickly, I mean, we do it to be quick. We do it because we're frustrated. We do it to silence. And what I've realized is when I say, because I said so, to someone uh, who's just not getting it, they feel unheard. Well, why do we do it? Because it's the right thing. Some of you do that. Why do you do it? Because God says so. Why do you do it? Because, but in, when we speak that, we're one, showing our frustration card. We're two, showing that you should know this card. And then three, we're silencing the fact that they feel worthless, less than because they don't. We're silencing that uh, their feelings of being unheard or misunderstood are yelling louder than our demands. Like I do that all the time as a dad. I'm like, just, just do it. And they're, they're like, not, but, 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 no, just do it because I said so. And what's happening is their feeling of being unheard by me is louder than I am being now that I'm yelling at them, right? And it's just this nasty little thing, but... And we could say it's a both and, but at the end of the day, parents, here's a little aside. Um, they're a kid and you're an adult. <laughs> I, I should be able to pause and breathe and teach, right? Like you are quicker to be able to be patient than a child is. And so I have to remember that as a parent, like as it keeps going. But it's, it's beautiful though, because mature obedience is only fostered when something is understood. And sometimes we gotta take the time and actually talk to our friends. It's not just about them not doing that sin. It's about them gaining the understanding of, of why that sin is happening. I mean, I remember when in college we, we watched, uh, this is the father. Did you know the father in um, uh, the Song of Solomon takes his son? And it's this beautiful text of the father saying, this is the way of Madame Folly, and this is the way of Lady Wisdom. She might satisfy you, Madame Folly. She might be at every corner, very easily accessible, but Lady Wisdom will satisfy you for your whole life. You can make the decision, son, but you just know the understanding is that is everywhere and will always lead you to more and will hurt this will always, like always be there and will lead you into good. 
And so this is the understanding that we got to bring. I remember in college, uh, as children, we must, if you're going to be a child of God, then you must always say, okay, Father, teach me the why. Because it's not just do not look at the, the pornography of this world, right? It's, it's actually, no, understand the, the, the pain behind it that it's causing to you, that it's causing to others. Understand. And now I know I want to obey. Because I'm like, God, you love me so much. I want to obey you. But it's interesting, uh, he, he continues and he says, it will be of good value. He uses this word honor, right? Uh, honor your father and mother. And that's one of the, it's the fifth commandment that God gives to Moses. Honor your father and mother. And with it comes this promise, this agreement between God and man. And he says, I, it will be good with you. It was interesting. Um, one of the, the texts that I was reading, one of the commentaries said, if you think about it, it is improbable. And he used this word improbable. That's not something I ever do. It is improbable that an undisciplined, disobedient, and if you put it up, resentful person will lead a long life. Uh, It is improbable that an undisciplined, disobedient, or resentful person will live a long life. And I was like, actually, I'm pretty sure there's studies on that. Do you know, like, stress can take years off of your life? Uh, It really can, like, resentment, bitterness, it changes your body. God knew something like, you honor your parents, you live a long life. But an undisciplined person will probably walk out in front of a car quicker than another one, right? Like, uh, <laughs> really, like a, uh, a disobedient person will probably lined up in harm's way quicker. So as we learn obedience, we get to know our Father in heaven. We get freedom from resentment. I mean, in counseling, I know honor is hard, but dishonor hurts the one who's dishonoring more than the one that they're dishonoring. It does. It's just like when you forgive someone, uh, it's like releasing a prisoner. Have you ever heard this? But then you realize you were the prisoner the whole time, like, like heavy, heavy laden with your anger and your pain, but then you forgive and you find freedom. You thought you were freeing them from your chains, but really your heart was freed by the chains. That's the same thing going on here. When we dishonor our parents, that weighs heavily on us without us even realizing it because we're frustrated with them. We wish that they would stop. We, we, we ache. And so to just get a little practical with you, uh, I want to sit in this because a lot of us, uh, we're not living with our parents anymore, right? But still our thoughts can be quick to dishonoring them, Right? And so the Lord's, the Lord's little blessing, the promise of living well and long still applies to us because I can with one thought dishonor my parents. Like I can with one action of resentment toward them dishonor. And so uh, just to let you know, this is a call, the word honor, it's a call to honor our parents as they are and not in light of what they weren't. Let me explain this a little bit. Like we got to say like, God, I need you right now. <laughs> it's a song. God, I need you right now to help me separate my heart, the way that I see them from how they treated me. Because somehow they are more than that. So I need to see them not in light of what they were not for me because she wasn't present. They weren't there. 
They were not loving. They were not kind. They were not slow to being angry. And sometimes we find our honor or dishonor from that soil. Well, why do they deserve it? But instead, we have to see them as they are. And I love this. Some of you have gained this wisdom. I remember my, my pastor uh, from the church we left. He said, I just had to come to realize that my dad just did not have many tools in his tool belt. And the tools that he had were ones that he was hit with. The tools that he had were the ones that he was harmed with. And so the tools that he learned were how to, to get out of a fire. The tools that he learned was how to get out of a fight. The tools that he learned was how to, how to, how to heavy hand your way into or away from. My dad didn't have many tools in his tool belt. So from that perspective, I can see my dad well. I can learn empathy well. And that actually leads, in fact, like honoring fills us with an empathy for their soul while we separate ourselves from like our sins control. And I did not mean to make that rhyme, uh, but for real, honoring, every time I honor my mom, and listen, she was, uh, you've only heard good things, right? When I talk about my mom, she passed away when I was, uh, when I was 18, uh, 17, my senior year in uh, high school. Now that I look back, like I honor her in the memories, but when I was a child, dishonor was what I always, I was annoyed by her. She was a control freak, which is where I got it from. She was, she was heavy handed, very quick to guilt or be, be rash with her words. And I had to realize very quickly, like that's not who my mom is. That's not who she is. There is this piece of her that was created by God, and so I'll see it. And, and what honor does as we seek, those who are seeking healing from past trauma, honor is a weapon of warfare that will begin to destroy the bitterness in your heart. Honor is a weapon of warfare that will begin to destroy your resentment, your rage. It will seek to change how you transform or like conversations, uh, your relationship, and this is a good reminder, like Paul is about to say, are you ready? Paul is about to say next week, I'm really excited. We're gonna talk about spiritual warfare next week. So those of you who wanna dive into that with me, let's do it, all right? Uh, but Paul is about to say, I need you to know that we rage war. We wage war right now with not the physical, but the spiritual. We, the, the, the war that we have daily is not with flesh and blood. And so we have to remember as we seek to honor versus dishonor, we have to remember that at the end of the day, the lie, the pain, that word came from my mom, came from your dad, came from your mom, but it didn't start with her. It didn't. In fact, in fact, Every tool or word used by them flowed through them and probably has also affected them. And it's really interesting. The enemy is not them, but our enemy is also their enemy. And so any abuse, any word, any mistreatment, any harsh thing from them, which was through them, in reality, they also felt it. And some of you are like, no, they didn't. Yeah, it, they felt it. It's what has turned them hardened now. 
and hardened, we still see on Pharaoh, is not good, right? <laughs> when someone's heart is hardened, it can lead to some bad things. And so with that, we get some understanding and we're able to honor, we're able to have empathy, we're able to move forward and then prayer. Those of you like, you wanna honor your parents, begin praying for them now. Like honestly, those who really can't talk with them yet, talk to God about them, all right? That's a good step forward, all right? Those who can't talk to them yet, you've got some, some, some walls built up, talk to the Lord on their behalf too. So pray for them, because the promise is true. You will be well. You will find freedom. You will have hope. Like you will live long. And then he turns to the parents and he says this, do not provoke your children to anger. And every dad in the room, like you gotta hear this. Do not provoke your children to anger. I am the quickest at doing this. When we're snippy, when we're quick. Those who are parents, I realize there's not many, maybe parents of children in the room right now, but I have learned from experience that a quick reprove tends to provoke people. Like when we quickly tell someone that they are wrong, a quick fix, and this is anyone trying to parent someone or trying to mentor someone, a quick reprove, it tends to provoke. Because what you're gonna get quickly is the spirit that they struggle with, the, whether it's resentment or whether it's shame or whether it's fear or whether it's anger or whether it's insecurity. When you quickly reprove in a negative sense, sometimes because we, we re react, right? And when we react, it will always provoke their reaction. And so a good understanding is breathing, responding. Let's, fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children. Another way we can say this is slow it down. Have you ever heard the phrase like, hurried people never love well? Hurried people never love well? It, it's true, so slow down. If you're actually gonna walk with someone through healing, through their sins, slow down. Parent them, walk with them. A quick reprove will always lead to the provoke. They'll feel it, they'll hear it, they'll, they'll experience it. And, but he says on the opposite, right? Bring them up in discipline and in instruction of the Lord. And it's beautiful because as I gotta get into this, like beautiful, because it's all about him. This isn't your instructions. I, I really like, we come up with stupid rules as humans, we really do. We come up with, with guidelines that actually make rigid the commands of the Lord. And so as we grow up in disciplining our children and instructing our children, we must let it be of the Lord and not of Greg. We must let it be of the Lord and not of ourselves, like our flesh. And what I mean by that, the word discipline, train them, instruct them, chastisement, like is, is discipline. It, proves their behavior. You cannot train a child like the world trains children. You must ask of the Lord. The word instruction is to teach, to warn, to admonish. And each of these, it's very narrow. I will do it like the Lord does it. I will do it like the Lord does it. It will be through me, but instead of how my parent, instead of how we at times let the enemy's words work through us, the enemy's lies work through us, I will let the Lord's ways work through me. I will let the Lord's truth be shown through me, his presence, his power. And then it ends with the bondservants piece. And as we get in and end in this way, I do just wanna separate this, how it can make practical for you is 
Paul is really saying the home, and now we're gonna get into roles in the home, work in the home, because a child and a parent relationship should be different than someone who is a boss and a worker, all right? And this is what we gotta see this as, is, is Paul's like, I need not just the way that you treat those who are in your life, who are of your life, but also those who now are benefited from your life, like those, or those who are, whether they're benefited from the work you do and you're helping your boss out or they're benefited because they're under you at work. And so as we get into this, quickly put yourself in your position of your work. This is your work life. Paul says, have a sincere heart. Can you go to that that next? He says, bond servants, obey them with fear and trembling, but with a sincere heart. This is a real like kicker. Those of you, like you're like, I just work at so-and-so, and already in saying the, I'm just working at so-and-so, you're downgrading the value of your job, which then in your mind means that you don't have to do it with sincerity. You know what I mean? Because it's not what you want yet, but you're like, I just work at fill in the blank. I remember when I was in, in high school, oh, I just work at Arby's. And it, as if that didn't mean anything, because it's not what I wanted to do. And because it's not what I want to do, then I, will, I don't have to be sincere at it. No, be sincere. That word means a generous heart, a single heart, as you would to the Lord, which means as I go there, I go in the presence and the, and the, and the value and the ideas, the ideology of the kingdom. And I go there in the presence of God. And so I'm gonna be sincere. What you see is what you get. It's not gonna be, I'm not only gonna, I'm not gonna mop well only when someone looks at me. I'm gonna always do it because my father looks at me. He sees me. And always I will do it to him. I'm not gonna do it for outward obedience, but a genuine one. And then he continues, not with people pleasers. In other words, this, this hope of, of if I make them happy, they will X, Y, Z. Just do it because I say so, the Father says, right? But not just because I say so. He goes further. Because I've saved you from that way and I've brought you into my light. You know, the Father has already said, I've given you the mind of Christ. So treat them well because they don't, their pleasing or their value on you does not give you value, I do. So love them, but don't be a people pleaser with them. And then it says, doing, your, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse seven, render service. That's an interesting one. I love this. It really means, uh, that word render service means become a slave or be controlled by. And what that means is, the, by the goodwill. Do you see that? Render service with a goodwill as to the Lord. So honestly, what I'm doing is I'm going to be controlled by goodness to the Lord in all things. And that's really difficult. Some of you, like when push comes to shove and it's hard to be obedient, I don't want to be controlled by goodwill. I want to be controlled by my feelings right now. I don't want to be controlled by goodwill. I want to be controlled by my pain. I don't want to be controlled by goodwill. I don't want to be controlled by the fact that I know the best thing right now and it's not what they're doing. I want, but to be controlled by goodwill as if it's to the Lord, not to man, but to the Lord. That's what he's calling us to be, become a slave by that goodwill because it's for the Lord. Why? He says, because you know that whatever any good does, the Lord will honor it. 
That word, uh, when it says that he will repay, it's really beautiful uh, that he will, you will receive back. It's this word, carry back, that the Lord, whatever good done, the father, the real master will carry it back. And this is a beautiful phrase, the father, the master of heaven and earth always carries it back. You, you honor someone, the master pays. And it's not like uh, this, this dollar, dollar, dollar thing. Like I'm not talking about that. What it is is the blessing of the Lord is eternal. And when I am the only one that shows up, and sometimes we feel that way, right? I'm the only, I'm carrying this whole place you feel in your, in your work. Have you ever felt like that in your job? You're like, I am carrying this whole company right now. I'm carrying this whole place. When we show up with honor, with sincerity, with obedience, the promise is the Lord always carries it back. He always carries it back. And then he looks to those of us who are bosses and he says, this Greek phrase, it's masters do the same to them. And this would have been a mic drop. I know it doesn't really make sense to us, but it's this Greek phrase, I, I wish I could say it, that literally means everything I said, you now do too. Which no master in this day, unless they were a Christ follower, would then obey their servants with fear and trembling. Because this is like a, now Paul is mic drop, do the same, this whole thing. Do it with a sincere heart, obey him. As not a way of eye service, don't just be nice to them when you're with them, but as obedience to the Lord, not trying to please them so that they work harder for you, but because you love them as a bondservant of Christ, do the will of the Lord from your heart. Like Paul is radically shifting this. He's gonna change a home because these are gonna be masters who now obey their servants. Like this is what he's saying. Like know that whatever good anyone does, the master in heaven will carry it back. And then he gets a little, stop your threatening. He who is their master is yours and there's no partiality. There is no favoritism within him. And so as we end this, I want to go back to this obedience piece because he's now told parents, he's now told us that our children are to be obedient to us, but he's also told us as all people that we should be obedient to our father in heaven. He's also told us that anyone who is under someone should be obedient to that person. And he's also now said anyone who's over someone should be obedient to the one under them. And so obedience is throughout this. But as I said, I think we gotta relearn what that looks like. Because it's not through the understanding that our mind wants or our trauma or our pain, but it's like, I actually wanna know you, God. And honestly, this is not, I wanna know, uh, some other religion or the ways of peace taught by so-and-so or the ways of, of the, the way that uh, this is. No, I, don't, I need to know your ways, God. I need to know your ways, Jesus. I want to understand you that I can obey. And so I, I just want to draw your, your attention. There are, there's a, a table right over there with connect cards. And I wasn't planning to do this, but I would love if one of, if that was you, if you were the and have been the two guys in my 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 dream, and you're not a guy, I get it. Some of you might be women. Um, if you are the two guys in my dream, 
who constantly play the devil's advocate with the words of God. Where you're constantly trying to nitpick the obedience of the Lord. You try to like, but what if? And you just, you truly just don't understand. And instead of just reacting as if he's a God who's going to provoke you, instead of reacting, what would it look like for you to actually say, will you father me, God? Will you father me? And so I want to invite you as you're heading out to grab a connect card and write like, I want to be fathered. I want to be fathered. And I know that's, that's, that's really vulnerable. Some of you are like, I'm 60, but I want to be fathered. I'm, I'm, I'm 57 and I, I, there's no one younger than, or older than me here or whatever in your mind you're thinking. There, you're looking around, there's no one like me, but I want to be fathered. See, what you're doing is you're actually doing what the father says because those servants were nothing like the master. And the master was nothing like the servant. But to each, the father says, I need you to obey them. I want you to understand them. And so there is some discipline. There's some discipleship. There's some mentorship that needs to happen in this next season. As you lead out of your old ways and into new ones. All right. And I just want to invite you in that. So what it's going to look like, you write, I want to be fathered. We're going to hook you up with someone who will just be with you. Men, it'll be with guys, women, women. And you're just going to have someone there with you, to just whatever you want. You, they're going to reach out and you get to take the next step, whatever it looks like, whether it's a coffee date, whatever it looks like. I just want to walk through scripture with someone. I just want to seek understanding. I want to walk through this pain with someone. All right, do it. That's free to do, please. But all of us, I'm just, let's pray. God in this place, whether we want to own it or not, we need to be fathered by you. You're not done fathering us. There are sins you want to lead us out of. There are painful thoughts that we still think that keep us captive. And you want to father us into understanding. So God, will we be children willing to do so? That you've brought us in this place. God, there are spiritual mothers and grandmothers that I need in this place. There are spiritual fathers and grandfathers that I need. There are spiritual disciple makers in this place. So Father, will you just push people to admit their need? God, I want to be a church that honors you, but Lord, I want homes to be shifted. The way that obedience and dishonor has has fought in a home. I want there to be healing. So from freedom, people will respond. In freedom, people will love. We love you, Jesus. We give all glory to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.